1: Now it's time to talk about America's wars. The American military is the most massive, the most technologically advanced, and the best funded fighting force in the world. But in the last 15 years of constant war, it has won nothing. That's the theme of the new book by Tom Englehart. He's the legendary editor who created and runs the Tom Dispatch website. His earlier books include The End of Victory Culture, a book about the Cold War, which had a huge impact on me. His new book is called A Nation Unmade by War. Tom Engelhardt, welcome back.
2: Hey, John. You know, I think I may pick up that book. It sounds interesting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you say the American military is the best-funded fighting force in the world. Of course, another way of saying that is that it's the most expensive how expensive is it Ah oh,
2: now that's an interesting question. I mean I, I, there's a, a, an expert who writes for Tom Dispatch uh, William Hartung, and, and he figured, he figured up what went into the whole national security budget. Now that does include our our staggering seventeen major intelligence outfits and so on and so forth but the figure was a trillion dollars a year. Not every bit of that is, is the military, but then again, there's some military money that goes, goes into the Energy Department for nuclear stuff. It's a lot of money. It's a staggering amount of money. It's the sort of money that if, they, if you were to begin to put it into American infrastructure, we would have, hey, high-speed rail and highways without holes and whatever. It would be stunning. But, uh, but it's the one, I would call it infrastructural, the one kind of infrastructure into which Congress will put money incessantly in a bipartisan fashion. There is nothing else.
1: You say never has a great power in its imperial prime proven so incapable of achieving its aims. What are the aims of America's wars, and where were they first articulated? I mean, it's actually a difficult question to
2: answer, partially for this reason. I, I We have to return to the in essence the days after nine eleven. Yes. To answer this question. And the nine eleven triggered something here. I mean in 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 the Bush administration, if you remember them and all the neocons of that moment. If you remember at the time of nine eleven we were still well, we were calling ourselves the sole superpower, the last superpower. You know, we were the one who had won. The Soviet Union had imploded in 1991. We were all that was left. And the, the crew who, who made up the, the, the top levels of the, uh, the Bush administration, when this happened, Almost immediately, I remember Donald Rumsfeld was reported in the, in essence, the ruins of the Pentagon, because it had been hit by one of those planes, saying, I still remember the quote, sweep it up, sweep it all up to his aides. They wrote it down, and it was later reported. And what he, of course, meant was he already grasped, okay... Al Qaeda, so on. But he was already thinking, and so were they all. Of more, he was thinking of Saddam Hussein in Iraq. He was thinking of the, the, those guys when they, when they almost immediately declared war on a small group of jihadis. They were already imagining a world in which they were the last imperial power, and they could have it all. So the initial aims of what was almost instantly called a first a war, and then a global war on terror, was a kind of Pax Americana, first in the greater Middle East, and then, of course, elsewhere. But, I mean, what's been interesting in this period, and that's what you started asking the question about, is that unlike past imperial powers at their heights, we've been remarkably unable to use our military to control, to create a kind of an order. The British Empire, the Roman Empire, I mean, it was a brutal order. But it was a kind of order. We have instead, in, in well, we're now past, what, 16 years of war from, from, from you know, October uh, 2001, the beginning of the Afghan invasion, we have basically created disorder. I mean, in, in a way, I've always thought of this as the war not on terror, but in a way for terror, because it's created the conditions for spreading terror outfits across a significant part of the planet.
1: And the key to understanding the creation of disorder, the key concept, I think, is a blowback, which was first articulated, I think, by one of the great writers for Tom Dispatch, the late Chalmers Johnson. Let's talk about blowback.
2: Yes. He was the first person to write about it. I was uh, then a, a book editor when he, when he wrote his book, Blowback. I, I did his book. And when it came out before 9-11, you know, the, I still remember the reviews, formerly eminent professor and CIA consultant now basically ranting maniac. And then, of course, 9-11 hit, and people went, oh, my God, and it became a national bestseller and so on and so forth. But his idea was that, that these operations around the world that the American people knew, in essence, next to nothing or nothing about, that sooner or later they came, in a way, they came back home. Donald Trump, without the invasion of Iraq, the greatest disaster of this Period out there in terms of war and foreign policy, without the invasion of Iraq, I I think the election of of this strange character would have been inconceivable. He is blowback. Donald Trump is blowback.
1: Donald Trump is blowback. So what we what started with uh, George W. Bush and Dick Cheney in the wake of 9/11, you say, leads by a complicated path to the election of Donald Trump. Uh, Let's talk a little bit more about how you. Think that happened.
2: Oh, well, I think if you go back to the 2016 election campaign, one of the things that struck me, it struck me during the campaign, and I wrote about it then, to go back to his key slogan. Which is MAGA, Make America Great Again. Yeah. I still remember Hillary Clinton's people for millions of dollars in consulting fees coming up with the, the monstrous response to that of uh, Make America Whole Again, the worst slogan ever created in history. But Make America Great Again—it was a great, it was an old Age of Reagan slogan in a way. Trump picked it up; he grasped this early after Romney's defeat. He began. He, I think he actually tried to trademark that. That had gone into his head, and it was effective. It rang a bell in the country, and it rang a bell because everybody focused on make America great, but they didn't focus on the key word, which was, again, he was the only American politician in 2016 who didn't feel obliged to say that we were the most exceptional, indispensable, great, this nation ever in history. That was obligatory. It didn't matter whether you were Mario Rubio or or Obama. I mean, Obama used it indispensable endlessly. It was uh, was a 1999 phrase of uh, former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright. Trump said, no, he said, make America great again. That meant he was the only one who claimed it wasn't great then. And that rang a bell out there in the heartlands of the country for good reason, because they already felt why they felt, in essence, the blowback it was the blowback not just from the wars, but also the blowback from from the, our new Gilded Age, which, which goes with the wars in a certain way.
1: So you say the American wars haven't achieved anything. Trump did promise during the campaign, I quote, we're going to beat ISIS very, very quickly, folks. Now he says he's fulfilled that promise that the Islamic State in Syria is basically defeated i wonder if you agree that the united states has defeated isis
2: well i think the united states defeated what what they were calling that the kind of pseudo caliphate there i mean i think that is yes isis no longer holds territory except in a small part of syria near the iraqi border clearly don't have much but that was always a short-term thing and they were never going to last in the process of that, ISIS is a uh, it's a it's a global brand. There are ISIS branches now in Afghanistan and the Philippines. Those bombers in um, in Indonesia recently were seem to have been ISIS supporters. And there's a, there's an ISIS branch in Libya. Uh, there there's their are ISIS style now down in, towards towards Niger. If you remember that that incident in Niger let that last October, where four Green Berets died. In other words, yes, that's gone. But but, but the other striking thing is. It almost doesn't matter that that's gone. The U.S., whether it's Afghanistan, Syria, Libya, all of this, uh, in the in the Trump era, all of this stuff is once again, as it, as it was in the Obama era and in the Bush era, it's being ramped up. More attacks in Somalia, more attacks in Yemen. Everything has gone up. And at the same time, the American people are paying remarkably little attention. This is a f- phenomenon of this whole period, not just of the Trump period. I mean, to give you one example... The, the Taliban, in the invasion of Afghanistan, the Taliban were driven out of their last, the last provincial capital they held early in 2002. Well, about a week ago, they took a, a provincial capital for a day. This, mm. is, this is 16 years later. What do you make of the, the greatest force? in history, fighting the longest war in its history in Afghanistan for the second time since 1979, our second Afghan war. And 16 years later, the, the Taliban is, has grown stronger.
1: But there are critics of the Pentagon budget in, in Congress and critics of our war fighting strategy, aren't there?
2: Uh, in a modest sort of way, yes. I think it's accurate to say that even the most of the significant critics in Congress are really arguing for a smaller increase, less of the more, a less muscular version of what's there now. They're not really arguing for something else. I mean, let's remember that Congress has largely except for putting up money, Congress has been cut out of the war process. The idea that Congress is responsible for declaring war is that that went that's that's from another century
1: the last great empire might prove to be an empire of nothing at all. That's what Tom Engelhardt says in his new book, A Nation Unmade by War. Noam Chomsky calls it incisive, lucid, and brutally informative. Tom, thanks for this book. Thanks for everything you do at Tom Dispatch. And thanks for talking with us today.
2: Thank you so much, John. I enjoyed it.